You're listening to episode 5 of the Tennis Files podcast. From South Africa to the ATP Tour with Punch Maleka. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey guys, hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Punch Maleka, former ATP professional who hails from South Africa. I spoke with him about his experiences training in his home country that equipped him with the tools and mental attitudes to succeed on the tour. He's defeated several top 300 players while he was a professional, and he's still crushing it in men's open money tournaments today at the age of 37. Punch currently coaches students at the Gulf Mills Tennis Club in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. He did uh, reach a career high of 619 in the world, so he definitely has a ton of experience and knowledge about what it takes to become an elite tennis player. His passion and knowledge of the game shines really bright in this interview, and I'm really excited for you guys to learn about all the wonderful advice and tips that Punch talked about on the show. So without further ado, here's Punch. Hey everybody, we're here with Punch Maleka. He is an awesome tennis player that I met uh, in New Jersey, and he's a former ATP pro, and he hails from Pennsylvania. And he is 37 years old, and he's currently still crushing it in men's open tournaments uh, all around the, uh, I guess, the eastern part of the U.S. Punch, how are you doing today? Um, well, thanks, Mervan. Um, <laughs> that's a nice intro. Thank you. Oh, um, no. go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say no worries. I mean, you're really Punch is a really nice guy. Um, I, I met Punch in New Jersey because I uh, I played a U.S. Open uh, sectional qualifier event there a couple years ago, and I won a couple matches, and then I I ended up playing Punch, and uh, you know he he kicked my butt. He was a, just a fantastic player, and he's such a nice guy too. You know he complimented me on uh, my effort and and playing, and uh, he's just uh, really a, a level above most everybody in the world. Uh, has a great feel for the game. So yeah, Punch, just uh, I guess uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, what you're doing right now. Uh, Well, I'm originally from South Africa and um, I moved here about 11 years ago. And prior to that, I was one of the guys, you know, grinding it out on tour and, uh, you know, had the dream of being the best player in the world, you know. So I was just uh, one of the guys and, you know, coaching then then happened as a sort of a default. I kind of fell into it and, uh, you know, I've loved it ever since. I mean, there were some ups and downs, but now I feel I've really, really got to enjoy it and understand it and apply it, you know, with different um, students and so on. So so that's kind of where I'm at right now with in terms of tennis. And, you know, I still compete, <laughs> funny enough. I uh, didn't know that I would be doing that either, so... So that's pretty much what I'm doing. So coaching, training, uh, kids, training myself, training other players, 
consulting other players. So that's pretty much what I'm doing right this moment. Yeah, Punch, I mean, we truly appreciate everything that you're doing for the game because, as Punch said, he's he's involved in so many facets. He's competing, he's training students, he's uh, consulting, uh, you know, giving them advice on how to play the game and, and things like that. So that's, that's really awesome. Um, Punch, I want to, um, I guess, take it back and just kind of figure out how you got started and and you know how, how exactly was your um your junior career in south africa how, how was that um you know growing up you know it's um it's it was actually different from you know the typical sort of junior path um it's funny you ask that because i never really wanted to be a good tennis player or anything um i used to play soccer and i was a pretty decent soccer player uh, that was my actual first goal. I wanted to be a good uh, a soccer player. I guess football, what we usually call it. But mm-hmm. uh, and and my dad had a really bad injury actually from that, so he didn't he didn't like it. So he mm. kind of steered us towards tennis. And and you know, with the hopes, it was just tennis is a nice sport. He liked it. He was an umpire, I think, for a couple events. So he said, you know, this sport is great. Try it out. He, we, you know, we never ever talked about you know trying even professional or anything like that he just said it's a great sport you can play it for the rest of your life and uh you know we went to the local sort of um um <laughs> club park you know you hit around we hit with our dad and that's when things sort of picked up i mean obviously growing in up in south africa at that time was was quite difficult for you know as a young sort of black kid um mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it went the way it went, and we happened to improve a lot. We had some great coaches, though, fortunately enough. There were two, the first sort of um, black coaches in South Africa who, who were professional um, instructors. And they, luckily for us, you know, we started with them. And they really, you know, um, taught us a lot, and we learned a lot from them. And we got a lot of support from the local government at the time. So we were able to get a little exposure, going to play a few tournaments and, you know, and, and, and uh, we had a lot of local events. So it was just a fun sort of activity at first. Um, and, and just grew from there, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's fantastic that you got that kind of support given kind of the hardships in South Africa at that time. Um, so did they pretty much, uh, pay for your courts and stuff because what i was going to ask is that i was curious about the infrastructure was there many many courts available in south africa and was it expensive and things like that when you were there well well it's a good question actually because um the the weather's great i mean it's the best <laughs> weather you can I mean, it's perfect every day you know winter's not really winter so weather was not even a, a problem and we were in a sort of a semi-desert area so type kind of like what arizona is you know so it was really not even rainy much so we were able to be out a lot the thing is though where we grew up at first it was a smaller country or sort of a homeland which wasn't part of south africa you know that was created by the then apartheid government so it was a small sort of government that uh, and the name was Buputazwana, which I mean uh, most people would probably have not heard that country or that word or anything before so mm-hmm. being, being that the, the, it was since it was small there was a great sort of 
infrastructure put in place where we literally paid uh, $3 for the whole year, you know? Wow, (laughs) great deal. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, $3, and they had had rackets over there. They had, you know, wooden rackets at the time, and, and we just had rackets. We just had to show up. I mean, a lot of us didn't have much. I was actually one of the more fortunate sort of um, kids at the place, but a lot of the kids, you know, we didn't have shoes, sneakers and all that. It was, you kind of came in with your school shoes, you put them on the side, you played with, you know, it was just normal, but, <laughs> but you know, yeah. the rackets and balls were there. So it was a good place to hang out, you know, it was, uh, it was a good crowd. Luckily, we had some good kids and the coaches were really great. So they really supported us well. And then as we got older, got to tournaments, you know, um, um, we were we were really exposed to you know the game more than than we would have we would have um, had an opportunity otherwise you know so and the, the 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 man who was in charge who who actually passed away uh, when I went home last mm. he was really really passionate about tennis and and he really wanted to grow it so he he put a lot of his own you know, effort and, and, uh, um, you know, passion into it. And it really, really sort of, you know, followed through to us. And I think that's, that's really what got us going, to be honest. I mean, that that's really uh, fantastic to hear. I mean, because, you know, if you're really put for, forth your full effort and, and, and you are passionate about something, you can help a lot of other people too, by uh, evident by uh, Punch's coach, where his passion was so large for tennis that he inspired Punch and the other players uh, to do so well. And I mean, look at where how high Punch uh, has, has risen in the game. Um, but it, can you tell us about some of your memories of kind of what type of drills you were doing when you were young and maybe one that stuck out and that helped you a lot um, when you were uh, training in South Africa? Well, where we were, where, when we started, it was more just fun. You know, I mean, the coaches would, would be there for like a half hour and show mm-hmm. us how to do like the, the, the circle or whatever we used to call it, <laughs> the loop. What actually stood out when we first started was we would, after school, and most of us walked there. Um, sometimes we were picked up, but a lot of us walked there. But what stuck out the most, it's not actually quite a drill, but what stuck out was we would kind of sit around this wall, there was this wall, and we would just kind of talk and share stories and then just play tiebreakers, you know? And that's uh, really what we do that sounds every day. We just play tiebreakers. And that why I, oh, I mentioned that is that you know, I remember how much fun that was, you know, just hanging out with the guys and we were just talking and, you know, talking this, talking that, nonsense, whatever, you know. But um, staying in was sort of the whole highlight. It was like you didn't want to lose, you know, and and that really, really taught us how to really compete. It was kind of funny and we didn't use all the courts. There were about eight courts. We would be on one court. So there was a <laughs> big circle social sort of aspect to it you know it was a place where we we hung out mm-hmm. uh, and uh at 15 years old uh we got a little support to go to a, a it was a tennis ranch which was a small little academy and that's when things sort of we trained harder you know did a little bit more fitness things like that um uh 
only from say 15 years old you know what i mean so before that it was really very social and and uh and and fun and and our pros our coaches were always this i remember a lot they would always talk about you know character and and just integrity you know and mm-hmm. and how 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 we should behave at tournaments. That's really what we talked about the most. It wasn't it wasn't it never, you know, a thing about oh you're winning and you're gonna do this. It was just, hey, we're gonna take a group of guys and you know, we got to know each other when we traveled a lot and, and it was all about that. I remember every night we would have meetings about who who swore, you know? Yeah. And it would be fun. we would get a few back then it was okay, we'd get a few like um uh you know, belts on his on his behind. You know, it was part of the fun. It was, you know, so it was it was fun. It wasn't really for them to hurt us or anything. It was just mainly to kind of have the other guys laugh at them. You know, things like that. So it was really fun and social. Wow, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like this this emphasis on the integrity. Um, you, it's very refreshing that you guys uh, constantly stress that. Um, it's just. You know, it's important because it builds into other areas of your life and, you know, you, you become very well respected and also teaches you to, it helps you to focus more on the game rather than, uh, you know, let your emotions control you. Um, but Punch, when did you start really um, getting a, a high ranking uh, in juniors and kind of a start start to believe that you could really you know, take the game to a high level and, and maybe even reach a professional uh, level? Another funny story. Um, so my dad, for some reason, always used to just say, you know, I, I get it now, but he always used to say, you can do anything you want, you know? He always used to say that. Right. Uh, even though I didn't understand what that meant, at least, you know, I I knew that, hey, you know, I can do this or do that. and so, And only till... Say 16 years old. I remember playing number one in South Africa uh, at the time. And, you know, I hadn't been all over the place. And I remember taking him to three sets. And that was the day that actually (laughs) said to me and to myself, I said, you know what? If this guy's playing all the time and I'm not playing that much, I really could do this. So I could also be number one, I guess. So um, I remember that day clearly. It was a good long match. And, uh, you know, so... From, say, 16 years old, that's when I really thought I could do well in tennis. Um, And being at that tennis ranch, I mean, the fitness was always there. I mean, the coach worked us really hard on the physical um, side, even though still at 17 years old, I remember not understanding why, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was thinking, why is he running out so much all the time? But, you know, things, moments like that, I remember that was a match. and, And another match... Uh, then I got ranked maybe you know I started getting better results getting more confident even though I wasn't aware of what I was really doing out there um, I had a few good qualities you know I ran I was really fast um, and from the training you know I was always fit uh, and I retrieved a lot you know since I couldn't do a lot of things so so I had some good attributes without knowing although and then as my ranking just got higher I got to about 24th in South Africa and that then and South Africa actually at that time had a really high level of junior tennis uh without us knowing it was really high it was just a lot of good tennis players uh, I mean it was the era of Wayne Ferreira and all the guys mm-hmm. were, were a bit older than we were so we really looked up to them so there's a lot of tennis interest so the junior tennis was very 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 competitive um 
And we learned that sometimes by just coming to the U.S. and seeing that, wow, you know, we're winning. How, how come we thought, you know, the U.S. was the best place on earth and so on? <laughs> Things like that, you know, kind of made us really start seeing how, you know, hey, we can do it. And then from then, that's when I kind of pushed a little more. And maybe around 18 years old, that's when I, I thought, uh, again, I had another close match with the, with the sort of, a guy who was playing futures and so on, and I started beating them, and that's when I thought maybe I should give it a try, you know. So it was it was really late and not even planned or anything, to be honest. Hmm. Well, it sounds punch like from what I'm hearing is that you didn't necessarily play as much as the other players who were ranked really high in South Africa, and I'm just kind of wondering, you know, maybe what what do you think helped you to accelerate your game so much um as opposed to the others who didn't uh train ever who trained more i mean was it just the uh, intensity on the court or was it just focusing on the right things or what, what do you think helped you uh you know reach their level even though you didn't play as much um what exactly helped me was the the intensity you know mm-hmm and and how I got to learn about intensity really was I had an older brother who who was at Nick Boliteri. Oh, and oh. yeah, he was a coach there, one of the you know coaches, and and he learned a lot from being a hitting partner, say for Andre Agassi and a bunch wow. of. I I he when he came back to South Africa, he really explained it, and 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 sort of we understood how. It really comes down to strength and, uh, you know, an understanding of, of what you're doing, your strokes and everything, um, you know, the science behind it. And we were then got into that, you know, we, we, we then I also had the opportunity to work a few times with Craig Tiley, who was, was once the uh, at some point the Davis Cup captain of South Africa. So mm. there were moments that really kind of, explained things to me and when when it explained things to me like that i i guess you know i was always open to learning as as i guess it was you know part of the culture you know especially when you're listening to adults at the time it was you really had to respect them you know Mm -hmm. so i guess from that standpoint i just took in everything that everybody said and and uh and sometimes i didn't even need to sort of do a lot I would I would try everything everybody would say, you know, and I would see, oh, this works, this is great, and then you know stick to it. So 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 then the training was was what was important. So we trained really hard, and where it all changed was the fact that we couldn't afford to actually play a lot of tournaments uh, when we were growing up. So a lot of times we would train for six months, you know, mm-hmm. and we'd be training and training and. And hope there's a tournament close by that we can afford to go to. I mean, our parents couldn't even um, support us at the time. So it was really up to us and what we want. So that showed us something because a lot of times when the guys came back from tournaments and training and, and, you know, we would beat them just because we were just training all the time. So we were pretty strong. I mean, we would spend a lot of time in the gym, you know, um, and so on. So that's really what got me to understand and, 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 and move forward and excel like that. That's fantastic, Punch. And another thing that really amazed me when I played you um, is, you know, I would be putting a, a lot of effort, I mean, obviously, to try to win points against you. And, I, and there was one rally in particular where I just, 
I feel like I smashed like five or six hard forehands in a row. And then to me, it seemed like you just had really no trouble at all um, just getting them uh, back. And uh, to me, you know, you have very smooth strokes. And I'm just wondering, um, kind of, did, did you always have smooth strokes like that? And, you know, did you just, over time, did you have to uh, tinker with them? Or did it just come from the beginning? Or um, You know, I think the smoothness, uh, I've heard people talk about it for a long time, even when I was younger. So I guess that part of it was a little bit of a, a gift um, just from my mechanics. But I did tinker with my strokes once I started coaching quite a bit. You know, mm. I... I actually, fortunately, you know, learned from names like Steve Smith, who, who who's very knowledgeable about the game, and and kind of we follow sort of his teaching method. In uh, you know, um, and you could look him up uh, at some point, Steve Smith Tennis. So from a technical standpoint and a mechanic standpoint, he's really really knowledgeable, and and you know, I learned a lot from him when I got here, and started realizing how much more I could do with my strokes and, you know, just be more efficient. He, he talks a lot about efficiency uh, when, when, when hitting a tennis ball. So, you know, that helped me actually clean up my game even more. And that's why sometimes it seems as though, you know, it's comfortable or it has time. So, so from a technical standpoint, I'm pr- I tinkered with it quite a bit. And uh, it was really great how much impact it had on my consistency, my mental side of the game, you know. So it was, it was, it took quite a bit of research and and um, um, learning to actually understand it like that. Yeah, I mean, efficiency is just so important, um, especially when you're playing a, a long match, because you know you obviously don't want to expend energy that you don't need to expend, and so if you can have a, a relaxed stroke, um, that would be you know much preferred. Um, but Punch, you know, I'm just curious, just maybe, do you have perhaps one tip in regards to uh, having an efficient stroke? Maybe one thing that you remember from, uh, you know, researching and learning from Steve Smith that uh, stood out that may help uh, our listeners? Yes. Um, I don't want to give away my secrets, though. I'm just <laughs> True. No, no, but there's one topic that he talks about, which will sum up sort of the concept. He says, well... You know, you could, he says it like this and it's great. He says, you could scratch your ear like this and he kind of takes his hand and goes straight to his ear or you could go around your head three times and scratch your ear. So, <laughs> you know, you're still going to scratch your, 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 your ear, but, you know, one is less efficient. So the tip I would give to the listeners is, you know, if you're watching pros, you know, Mm-hmm. Try and watch everybody and understand and understand why they are doing certain things or why is their stroke like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would suggest spend some time trying to actually learn what mechanics um, entail or what they are about. Because what that will do is it will give you, you know, a chance for you to look at what you're doing. You know, a lot of us make the mistake of, looking at the ball and assuming that, oh, because the ball is in, you know, it's fine. It might not be efficient. So I would say spend some time, you know, trying to actually watch and, and, and watch yourself and watch others and then ask a couple questions on 
what is more efficient? What could I do better? Yeah, that's perfect advice, Punch. I mean, it you know, it's it's important to always be self-analyzing your game. You don't want to just think about the game in terms of winning or losing because that's uh, obviously results-oriented. You want to constantly try to improve and, and see how you can maximize your potential and things like that. Um, but Punch, uh, definitely very curious about kind of your training while you were playing these Futures uh, tournaments and in between. Can you take us through... Just like a typical day of um uh, of what you do in terms of um uh, practicing and uh, and lifting and things like that, um, it's a typical day while you're on the tour. You know, uh, being on the tour, uh, as much as it's so much fun playing the actual match, there's so much that happens, you know, outside and behind the scenes. Right. So, you know, a typical day, um, I remember my dad used to tell us to wake up early all the time and we didn't get why, you know, but... <laughs> Um, you know, waking up, say, around six or seven gives you a nice amount of time to to really get your your workouts in, your stretching in. So, you know, um, breakfast, eating is a job in itself. <laughs> so it's very important to, to eat correctly uh, before, you know, you actually go out and start your training, uh, whether it's a workout or, you know, or, or a tennis hitting session. Uh, so, you know... Say if you wake up at 6.30 or so, you know, be out of the house, 7.30, 8. Um, you, you know, get to the gym or the courts and then and, and put in, say, a two-hour or so very intense workout, you know. It's not about how long you play for, it's how how, how intense you make it. Right. So spend, say, two hours, you know, doing a couple of drills on the court. If you need to work on certain shots, you can, you know, you know, make it less intense and, and focus on, say, you know, maybe a slice for the day or, or whatever. And um, then you can uh, sort of take a break, you know, have a proper stretching session, you know, some couple things we take for granted. Uh, you know, spend a lot of time on the stretches. Uh, and then from there, you could probably go grab a snack or, or you know, an early lunch. Uh, and... If you can afford it, and which if, if you know it's a part of what you can do, you know, uh, you know, uh, rolling actually is, is what sort of substituted that. But if you can go get a rub down, um, you know, especially if you're at a tournament or there's a facility where you like the USTA facilities, if there's a trainer, you know, it's always good to go get a stretch or rub down. You know, make sure thing, you know, parts of your body are okay. You know, spend maybe an hour or so on that. Mm-hmm. And then you know, take a little rest and get ready for an, another intense session. You know, maybe another two hours or so. Could be on the court, off the court. So lifting is one of them. You know, making sure the right muscles are are strong enough. You know, especially the tennis muscles. Uh, uh, tennis is very, very, you know, underestimated in terms of how strong you have to be. Uh, so, so it's really, really important to you know get those sessions in. Um, you know, for maybe another two hours or so. And the two hours really mean, you know, warm-ups included, stretching. You know, you're not going to really train for a whole two hours uh, until later on, you know, when you're stronger. And, right. uh, you know, very important is to obviously make sure you, again, have a good meal in the evening, something healthy where you're going to replace all that you had, drinking a lot of water, you know, again, if you have extra time, spend a lot of time on stretches, you know. So it's it's quite a 
full schedule because it will leave you only a couple hours in the day and then you got to go back and sleep because every day you're pretty much going to, you know, beat your body to the ground and have to recover again and do it again the next day. So it's quite, quite tiring in a way that it's so funny. When I stopped and I started coaching, I actually felt like I wasn't tired enough to actually go to sleep. You know, it was really strange. Uh, the first couple of months that I started coaching, I thought, I'm not doing anything. My body doesn't <laughs> adjust. It's, it's quite funny. Yeah. I but, mean, it's... Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but it's it's really a full day of off-court stuff, too. You know, sometimes you might not even need to get on the tennis court. To just, you know, spend time off the court, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Punch, and uh, I kind of want to ask just a couple of specific questions, if you don't mind, with regard to your uh, training and how you eat and things like that. So first off, um, did you eat uh, you know, very cleanly when you were uh, training and kind of talk about how important that is and maybe like a typical sort of like meal that you, that you preferred to eat that kept you uh, fueled and ready to go and light? Um, you know, uh, there was a difference because I spent a lot of time in South Africa at first and then I spent a lot of time here. So it was interesting. In South Africa, it is was for us, it was actually more expensive to buy sort of, say, junk food or anything like that. That's good. <laughs> uh, and, and we would actually buy a lot of vegetables from the produce um, market and so on. So my mom and dad were always big into eating properly just in general so we we ate pretty well uh we never had juice in the house i guess just because we couldn't afford it so that was a good thing we never had unnecessary sugar things like that so we ended up and uh, my mom knew a lot about nutrition so we we used to juice at home i guess the produce was cheap so we used to juice a lot nice and so we got a lot of good nutrients and without knowing back then it was really impacting and beneficial for, for what I was doing. And then then sort of when I moved here, uh, you know, since everything was just there and available, I sort of lost track of that for first couple years and it really, really showed, you know, you know, I didn't feel as well. Uh, and, you know, my knees would hurt more than you know, typically would. And things like that, you know, and gain weight, things like that. And, and, and I started realizing, oh, man, I got to go back to, you know, I don't feel great and so on. So so as I got back into it, it really then, you know, especially while competing, it's so important to to make sure you get the right nutrients. And, um, I, you know, without knowing, again, hoagies and things like that don't really – didn't really exist that much in South Africa. They, they're there, but they're just not part of the typical daily uh, food you'd eat. So, you know, we would eat a lot of, you know, pumpkin, beets, rice. That would be a typical lunch, you know, rice nice. and a pizza chicken. So it was really balanced. Perfect. And, and you know, some. Like, I remember the first time I showed up, you know, having a, sort of a huge hoagie with, you know, it would <laughs> I guess it's unbalanced and you really have to go out of your way to do it. So it was a bit of a challenge, but, but it's really important. I mean, uh, you know, cutting out certain things that are necessary, uh, you know, carbs or rice, uh, things like that, white rice, you know, having brown, changing a lot of looking at what you really, how much sugar you're taking in, you know, uh, and so on. Uh, so, you know, it affects really how you train because I could actually tell sometimes, the next day if I didn't eat what I, I wanted to. 
I could actually feel it in the gym and so on. So as I got older, it got much, much more difficult uh, and more challenging to to really maintain on a daily basis. Uh, my smoothies, you know, sometimes I have, if I'm not training much, I'll have two smoothies rather than any type of meal, but then at least have one full sort of meal where it has quite balanced, you know, um, you know, staying away from certain cheeses, things like that, you know. So things, you know, uh, that are, have a lot of preservatives and so on. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, thank you, Punch, for highlighting, you know, how important nutrition is. I definitely um, feel it when I don't eat as well. Uh, it's actually strange. When I have um, soda sometimes, I feel like my knees hurt. And um, it, it, it's very strange. I, I don't know why. But, and um, you know, nutrition is just something that is so important for tennis, and it's it's so important for your life as well. And I'm just glad, Punch, that you were able to at least uh, grow up in an environment that um, you know, didn't really have so much uh, crappy foods out there so that you're used to eating healthy and that you came back to your roots after a little bit of a hoagie break. So, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, I'm glad. And so, Punch, also another detail about your training. I'm curious, and, you know, obviously this may vary for uh, people, obviously, but what do you think is the right amount of... um Drilling versus um, actually um, playing sets and things like that, like an optimal sort of ratio, or maybe just talk about what, what you did when you were uh, practicing uh, and you were playing on the tour, that sort of ratio. What I know now compared to what I was doing is a little different. Um, you know, just because now I have a little bit more information backup, so I can hmm. sort of plan what I'm going to do. Uh, what's important, I always tell sort of the kids I work with and, and players who, you know, are trying to get on tour, some who are on tour, is that, you know, if you don't have the right tools, you know, you are going to be limited if you go out and try and play a set. Yes, you will learn other aspects, but you will not get the maximum benefit from the set. So I base it on... How, what you're working on and sort of uh, uh, trying to apply that into what you're doing as opposed to just playing a set or anything. It's more about focusing on what you are doing. So I actually, in the early times with a student, we hardly actually play any sort of uh, points and so on, but we typically focus more on the tools and building the tools because once the tools are there, you know, you can quickly learn what the other aspects are as you go. And it's not, you know, not to say you shouldn't play any sets or anything, but realize that what you're able to do, you know, and what you're capable of doing uh, is A and B and C as a, you know, don't try and do sort of D and F and then, and then get frustrated and then lose lose momentum and then, you know, lose out on, on the practice. Right. So that's sort of 
I, I sort of view it as um, do what you you can and and keep improving, and then later on you'll pretty much just be playing sets, you know. Right. All the time. It's, yeah. Right. That's fantastic. And Punch, uh, I guess since we started talking about your uh, coaching uh, philosophy and style. I'm, I am curious, uh, in, in all your coaching of your students and consulting them, what are some of the most prevalent um, kind of flaws or mistakes that you that you see in your students uh, that you end up fixing? It's kind of this, a similar sort of issue that keeps popping up. Uh, something, I'll, I'll give you something to, for, you know, for the audience to think about. Sure. A lot of times a player shows up at 15 years old, really frustrated, you know, and, and kind of uh, losing, losing their ground. And, and, and the main flaws I see are the lack of understanding, you know, of mechanics. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you know, when you change and you get stronger and you get, um, you know, faster, more aware, and so on. Things do change, you know. Uh, I guess we are all governed by physics. So, (laughs) you know, when your bolt and your speed starts changing, you have to make certain adjustments. So the main flaws are are adjusting from, you know, uh, I guess we could call it, you know, step to step. That's really where I find a lot of, players get mostly frustrated and they and and uh, they need the most help you know mm-hmm. it's not really the practicing or the playing of sets or the working out or the or the discipline or the determination although we got to help them in, in all those aspects the the main one is how do i you know transition from who i was as a jun as a young junior to now a bigger stronger version you know mhm mhm yeah that makes a lot of sense for sure um, and with your uh, students, uh, what are some of your favorite drills you like to uh, put them through to improve their consistency? My my favorite sort of uh, foundation and and foundation drill I call it is really to get to get a player to to be steady first. You know, mm-hmm. learn how to be steady first, and I spend a lot a lot of time early on trying to get them really steady. And, you know, from there, then you can sort of choose who you would like to be. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that whole mindset of being a steady player is kind of what the Spanish sort of South American type of clay court countries, you know, really mm-hmm. learn at an age is how to just sit there and really be, be patient and, and, and um, physically and mentally strong so that I can really grind this out. So that's really what my favorite thing to do is, you know, starting, even though I don't play like that myself, <laughs> I, I want to make sure I can in case, you know, I need to. Um, and then from there, like we said, you can decide who, you, who you'd want to be. So, so, you know, whether it's aggressive, serve volley or, or anything like that. Uh, Punch, what misconceptions do you see uh, in tennis? Because I know you obviously do a lot of coaching and there's a lot of, uh, you know, tons of other coaches out there, but I'm just wondering if you think there are any uh, misconceptions that kind of um, should be known about. I think so, um, and these are part of my secrets. <laughs> no, I'm, oh, I'm kidding. Appreciate it. <laughs> but, but, 
but part of the misconceptions out there are, you know, one of them is, is actually been talked about already is, you know, a lot of kids think playing with better players will make them better. Um, and I think that's the biggest one that, that is, is a real myth because, you know, it's like I compare to if somebody said, if you train in the same room as the world's strongest man, you know, you're going to be strong. You're going to be strong too. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that have to, to be put in place for you to improve in that circumstance, in that environment. So I, I, I think, you know, playing with players who are of a lower caliber than you are is very important to, you know, playing with the same level and playing with higher levels. So all of them equally spaced out is really important because you're going to learn the skills required for each, you know, each uh, from each individual. And that will translate into your matches because, you know, first round of a tournament is not always a tough player. You know, that's and then, you know, sometimes you have to play a player who's weaker and you have to have the skill behind you to to manage that. So that's one of them. I mean, the other one is, is um, you know, hitting more balls will make you also better. So, I, you know, it's a bit it's a bit too vague, I think, um, as, as a concept. We need to kind of elaborate a little more, you know, instead of just hitting a lot of balls. You know, it's how you're going to hit the ball, you know. So uh, if you are more deliberate about how you hit the ball, then you will improve. Because, you know, we tend to see a lot of kids sort of kind of going through the motions, unfortunately, you know? Right, right. And Mm. and that, again, goes back to how you train punch, which is uh, with a lot of intensity and purpose and uh, analyzing your game, uh, because that's really what it takes. I mean, if you... Uh, it, it's really worse if you play more, if if there's flaws in your game, uh, whether technical or strategic, and, and you keep repeating those flaws, and then that's going to just go yeah. into your, right, into your memory, your muscle memory, and um, yeah, it won't be very good for yeah. you. Yeah, and that's why it gets really frustrating, because a lot of kids say, well, I've been playing, you know, I've been out here every day for this many hours, but, you know, and kind of, I fell into the same boat, you know, I remember one day I was frustrated, because I would hit a serve, a basket of serves every day, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but my food never improved, you know, so <laughs> that's kind of where, where, that, where that came from. Yeah, you certainly just have to be constantly questioning your game and how you can improve. And uh, Punch, with the first piece of advice, you know, I, I admit that's definitely, uh, it's something that I thought, um, but I'm going to try to adjust my thinking a bit because from my perspective, I think that playing against uh players who are you know a bit higher than your level can show you can help you with your intensity and also show you kind of what level you can get to um so yeah and i think from that perspective it's helpful but i agree with you too that um for example if you're playing somebody much higher and you don't even have the tools to do anything it's not really you're not going to learn necessarily that much and and there's also times where you know, you have to learn how to beat p- players who are uh, lower level than you, and, and you can also practice things against them as well. Like, uh, say, if you're changing your game, um, you know, hopefully that that sounds right to you. But um, perfect, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Thanks, and um, and also going back a bit to uh, the ATP tour and your experiences. 
I do want to highlight uh, a match you had against a very famous gentleman uh, who reached, uh, I think, number four in the world, uh, James Blake. And uh, he was just interesting, obviously, because he turned out to be such a uh, highly ranked player. Uh, what were your impressions uh, when you played him, if you can remember? Yeah, it's one of the, it's funny. It's one of the matches I do remember. And um, we were in Canada, and we played in Montreal, I think it was. I think he had won the week before, or something like that. Or you know, and and I really knew he was an up and coming player, and so on. Although I felt good, and I always used to have, you know, the belief that I can take on anyone. And the funny thing was during that match, I, I you know, I lost the first set six four, and then the next set got to a tiebreaker. I think I was coming back, and that was always my thing. You know, I'd always play matches for long, you know, from behind. Mm-hmm. So I was feeling, I remember feeling really confident in that match because I knew if I win this set, I think I have him, you know, type. I was talking about my set. Mm-hmm. And I think I was up 4-2 in the tiebreaker in the second set, and he hit the biggest backhand mm-hmm. down the line. Dang. And I remember being so stunned. I think <laughs> I didn't recover from there. But funny thing was, I was about to change to a two-hander after that that tournament. Wow! <laughs> uh, yeah. and and that backhand he hit made me <laughs> decide to keep mine. It's funny, you know. And wow. and I think he won that week. And that's, so six months later, I think he was about top fifty or something. And I was, you know, scratching my head a little. But it was fun. It was fun seeing that, and that taught me a lot from you know in terms of what one can achieve you know yeah no i mean that's it i really love how you you mentioned that you you thought you could beat anyone because that's really what it takes to be successful um you know you need to have confidence when you're on the court confidence and you know as a byproduct of your playing and your training and the the effort you put in uh when you do that then you're going to be confident um now uh Punch, I'm also curious about um, what you think separates the top, let's say, 100 players from the top 500 and above, like some, some attributes that you think are, you know, are, you know, better that they, that they have that are more um, developed than other players who are lower ranked. Well, there's a couple separations. So say, for example, you know, 500 to 200, you know, there's still a lot of uh, you, you could tell the physical differences, you know, guys who are playing challenges are typically a lot stronger. They train harder. A lot of them are, are older. So they understand, you know, the training and, you know, getting from, from 200, say into, into one twenties into the top, you know, say 90 or so, you know, you know, it's about ball striking and how how the ball is you know struck much harder hmm. than in that level and that's one thing and then you know the movement because you know if you spend a lot of time at that level the movement is just so important because the ball is hit with you know a lot of speed and pace and 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 a lot of those players are are much more much better retrievers, you know. They they really get to a lot of balls. It's surprising sometimes when you play a player like that in terms of how quickly they'll they'll move, mm. and and you know how how are their strength. 
is there. And then, you know, going up further, you know, as you go into sort of the 40s and 30s, you know, you start seeing a lot more of the technical differences. Like you see the strokes are a lot better. Hmm. They're a lot more consistent, a lot more. And I mean, unless you're you're six foot, you know, 10, you know, then <laughs> you need a backhand or anything. But if you look at a lot of the players from top 40 upwards, you'll start seeing let me even say top 30 upwards, you'll start seeing, uh, you know, a lot more cleaner strokes um, and and uh, better serving, you know, uh, better quality serves. And then obviously, you know, I always look at a player like David Goffin, for example. If you look at a guy like that, you know, he has some really good strokes and he's super consistent, where some of the juniors, if you look, the strokes aren't that that honed in, and and you know how Djokovic and them improved their their technique while they were actually on tour. That's what sort of made the difference. And then you know going into top twenty and and then top ten, that's just you know the full whole package. You know, being an athlete, being mentally tough. You know, being having great strokes. You know, and having you know determination that's you know out of this world. I mean, Ferrer, guys like that. And then some players, you know, have a little bit of, of different attributes, like a um, Burdich, who's just a big, strong, strong athlete who just has the ability to hit the ball with that much power, even though he doesn't have the same sort of uh, foot speed or, or even determination or mental sort of strength as a Ferrer or a Djokovic or a Nadal, mm-hmm. you know? I do want to ask you too, um, what is the most, um, I'm sorry, the biggest lesson that you learned while you're on tour? <laughs> that was, uh, that was um, well, the first, first ever sort of future back then was satellite that I played. I was like, wow, how, these guys are so good, you know, that's what I said. Because, I mean, <laughs> I remember just guys were, it, it was the first time I saw what, serious was you know accountability you know guys were there to really win they they weren't there to uh, have fun it was really the first time I saw what grit was like you know so that was the first thing that made me really say wow you know um and the second thing was was how just every day you just had to bring it you know every single day mm-hmm and every moment and that's really what stuck out and 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 spending some time on tour will really teach you how to to you know grind really because you're you're spending that much money to really gets you to realize how you know you can't just goof around with it you know it's really teaches you how to 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 be efficient you know off the court you know with your money just you know just it's always just a grind and that just gives you such mental strength, you know, um, at those at those lower levels. Yeah, Pudge, I, I really appreciate you highlighting that because it's just so important in, in, in tennis and in life. It's just to, to, you really need to want it. You need to put in, you know, your heart and soul if you really want to be the best at anything. I mean, it just takes hard work and passion and you need to really remember what you're, you know, your main goal at the end of the tunnel that you're shooting for and just uh, go for it, put a hundred percent effort on the court all the time. Um, yeah. uh, you know, sorry to cut you off. As much as, as much as a lot of times I talk about the mental strength, you know, I always actually remind some of the youngsters how, 
it wasn't always my best or strongest you know um asset uh, you know when i was growing up I'm, I'm, i was very quiet and shy you know i was just you know not as as um boisterous as as a lot of uh, other players so you know a lot of times i would be intimidated by players and you know in my younger days i would be scared you know to really beat a certain player i would i would not believe it so it's something you know i really grew as i spent that time on tour and 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 started realizing you know what it took and and how everybody's just there to to really really make it you know yeah that's beautiful i mean it's it's you just um you know competed you learn through competing how other people are succeeding and what it what it took to um you know be the best and you you, you took those lessons to heart and the, and that's why you're so successful so one more question for you punch uh because I'm curious, and I'm sure our audience is, what was your most memorable match on the tour? Huh. It's a tough one. <laughs> it is. It is. I have a couple which were which were pretty fun. Uh, you know, some were long. I had a couple of great wins. Uh, the funniest one was, I think I was in Philippines or something, and first round it was the third seed. I didn't paid any mind you know i guess that back then you didn't even have internet so we couldn't look look people up <laughs> so i remember it was center court anyway so i played this guy and you know won the match three and four he was pretty upset and i was kind of trying to figure out why you know <laughs> i was thinking but after the match after beating him i i i learned that um he just won asian games you know it was a guy from korea and wow. And, and, you know, I said, oh, wow, I, you know, I had no idea. And probably better that I didn't, you know. Uh, but uh, I remember that match in particular was one of those matches, too, that kind of changed my outlook. So it was one of those 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 matches that that showed me, you know, what, what was possible and so on. And um, and I had later learned he had been ranked high before that, you know, and, and so on. So it was an interesting match. It's also one of the matches where I remember the points sort of clearly, you know. I remember just things were working. I mean, you know, I remember even hitting a slice passing shot <laughs> down the line. You know, things were just going crazy. And it was one of those fun matches where, especially after now, later learning that who he was, you know, I was, pretty pretty fun yeah that's awesome um sorry to cut you off but yeah um I, you know i did some research on punch and i meant to you know drop these um results in the beginning of the show but punch has beaten some great players you you actually beat a young jurgen Meltzer who ended up being number eight in the world um yeah, yeah which is awesome and then you've beaten todd Whittam, who's 200 in the world uh, Rick Rick DeVos to 110 in the world, and also the uh, Korean gentleman who you just mentioned was that by any chance uh, Young L Yoon? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and he, and sorry, Punch and Punch. I mean, Punch is crushing it. You know, even now he's he's winning a lot of money tournaments, the men's open tournaments, which have great players. And um, I also remember. Might have been a year or two ago where you played an invitational and then you ended up uh beating Michael Shabazz, who's a current ATP pro, and then you also right. beat uh I think you beat Jason Jung, who right now is two hundred and thirty four. 
Um, Correct. So, I mean, that's really an amazing, I mean, that guy, that guy's a great player and, um, you know, to be competing at, uh, this age at, you know, 37 and still playing so well, um, what do you think is like the main key to, uh, still just playing so well at, you know, even, even being, uh, you know, in your mid to late thirties and such? Well, I think the biggest thing I've learned, thanks, by the way, for all the... <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, one of the biggest things is, is the fact that I really love playing. I don't know, is it because I did other things or it just feels great, you know? Uh, it's just great to be out there competing, maybe because it's something I did my whole life, um, you know? And And I've never had pressure from from elsewhere except early on so really playing for myself is really fun you know and and just challenging myself just like you would in the gym or anything like that you know um so i find that the knowledge is definitely a key element you know knowing more about the game knowing more about your opponents knowing pretty much what they're gonna do you know uh, before you play and things that really helps a lot, uh, helps me stay calm and helps me, you know, the technical part of the game has improved tremendously. So, so what's been surprising is every year training, you know, I feel a certain way and, you know, I'm surprised and I said, wow, I could still do this. And it pretty much started just from me trying to make extra money from, from tournaments because I thought, it's a fun way to do it. And mm-hmm. as I started, you know, coaching, I realized that, you know, standing and so on and not playing or not training is really tough because I'd go to the match and not be able to compete. But it kind of really, really hurt because I was, I thought, man, I, I, I want to play well, you know, I just want to have fun playing because that's really what uh, bothered me when I didn't play well. Not the fact that I lost, but just the fact that, you know, I couldn't play the way I wanted to. So it just started that way. I said, you know what, I'm just going to train so I can play the way I want to um, and have fun with it. And and when I started, you know, winning more, feeling great, I thought, wow, this is, this is even more fun than I expected. And, you know, it motivated me to stay, you know, you know, wake up a little earlier, at least go go work out a little more than I would, you know, typically would. So the motivation was important just from, from that standpoint. And, I, and I'm glad, you know, it came from, from from a part where I wanted to have fun as opposed to felt like I needed to win, you know? Yeah, Punch. I, and it's just, again, it's just so wonderful to hear. I mean, that what Punch said is what every player should strive for. I mean, just being passionate about the game and loving to compete and always figuring out ways to improve your game and yourself. Uh, you know, you can always find ways to improve. I mean, clearly, even Djokovic is finding ways to improve. So that's the beauty of of tennis and life is just trying to um, always better yourself. And um, you know, it's it's really fun figuring out how to how to just be successful. Um, and I appreciate all that advice, Punch. Uh, Punch, um, you know, obviously you're coaching right now and and playing. Um, is there any uh, contact information that you like to share to for the audience? Yes. Um... Right now, you can, you know, I, I like reaching out to a lot more players than what's, you know, around me. So I, I 
I'll give out my email and, you know, I, I do like having conversations at tournaments, you know, having conversations online, especially with Internet. So my email is pmaleka at yahoo.com. So it's P for punch and then my last name, M-A-L-E-K-A at yahoo.com. And then uh, in a couple months, I'm actually going to set up a platform where, um, you know, I'll, I'll be branching out and doing a little bit more consulting online and reaching a lot more. Uh, players, you know, and awesome. uh, you know, with the wealth of information that I've been given, and 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 you know, the help I've re- I've gotten from, you know, guys like former greats like Wayne Ferreira, who was super significant in in changing how I viewed the game. We, we were sorry. Uh, let me just give you a quick uh, background on that. He sure. he was in Berkeley, California, and it was myself. Raven Klassen and my younger brother KB Maleka Cabello. And you know, Wayne actually was very, very nice enough to let us stay at his house for a week and train. And he pretty much was out there with us every day. I think it was even his off week after Wimbledon. He was actually, you know, out there training with us. So moments like that were, at the time, he was number six. And moments like that really, really, you know, inspired us and, and really helped. I mean, the information we got in that week was was phenomenal. And, you know, it, it, it even impacts my coaching today, what, you know, the things he said and what he was able to help me with in, in an instant, you know. So it really, it really was uh, um, why I sort of myself enjoy, you know, giving, helping players, you know, giving them information, you know, really trying to let them reach their goals, you know? Yeah, Punch, I mean, uh, you know, I just I just want to say I really appreciate, again, like everything you're doing, um, you're paying it forward, you know, all the um, training and, and passion that's that was put forth into your game by everybody in South Africa and all your supporters. You, you transfer over to the community, and uh, Punch is such a, you know, a wonderful guy. Um, you know, I always... I enjoy speaking with him and seeing him in a tournaments and he his demeanor is just uh wonderful on the court. You never hear him complaining or anything. He's always complimenting uh everybody. I mean really even if Punch uh you know kills someone like Owen one, he's I'm I'm reading the article and he's saying, you know, the scores didn't indicate um, you know, the uh how how tough the match was and so just uh, great to have somebody in the community like Punch. And um, I do want to say one small uh, interesting tidbit about you before we sign off, and that is that uh, you make music, right, Punch? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, thank you. Thank you. I've always loved making well music, and I got into it. So, uh, you know, I'll be getting back into it shortly. I just gave it a little bit of a breather just because of the training, but... Uh, I've set it up again, you know, especially that I moved. So I'll be doing some more of that in the next coming months. Awesome, Punch. It's great to see you, you know, follow all your passions and do so well in them. Um, I just want to make sure. So uh, the contact uh, pmaleka at yahoo.com. That's P-M-A-L-E-K-A at yahoo.com. And I'll include that in the show notes. Um, you can check that out at tennisfiles.com slash five. And Punch, uh, again, thanks so much for speaking with us. There's a lot of great content and advice that you uh, provided us and, and really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing you uh, soon again and to see you uh, keep winning out there. 
Hey, Mirbran, thanks so much because uh, I already feel motivated to go work out. And, you know, I guess, you know, it's great to have just this circle of life sort of take place. You know, it's uh, quite, quite neat. So thank you for, you know, having the chat with me and, you know, hopefully sparking a little bit more years, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure. Well, yeah, so. Yeah, thank thanks again, Punch. I I really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you soon, and um, you know, best of luck with everything. All right, thanks again. Hopefully, I'll see you in College Park. That would be awesome, Punch. I re- I I hope so. I, I'll definitely come out there and see you. Great, great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Punch. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Punch Maleka. If you'd like to check out any of the links mentioned in this episode, you can go to tennisfiles.com/five. And if you're around Pennsylvania, or nearby the King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, then I highly encourage you to check out the Gulf Mills Tennis Club, which is where Punch currently coaches. And you can reach him through his email, pmaleka at yahoo.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you guys would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast on iTunes or whatever other Uh, podcast app or platform you use to listen to podcasts and i hope you guys have an awesome day an awesome week and keep improving your tennis game take care guys thanks for listening to the tennis files podcast for more tips to help you improve your tennis game visit tennisfiles.com